the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, I've really been looking forward to our Thursday visit with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org and his other site, OhioMatt.com, because I knew he would have insight analysis into why Issue 1 went down by the 57-43 margin that it did. So we welcome Matt to the show. You can follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. And to read about his exploratory run for governor in the state of Ohio, go to his website, OhioMatt.com. Okay, your assessment of why issue one went down. Was it a loser from the very beginning? Was it a messaging issue? Was it a get-out-the-vote issue? Why did issue one fail the way that it did? Well, I think kind of all the above, right? And, and, and look, let's, let's, let's step back and widen the aperture to we are a plus-eight Trump state. There is no way we should ever lose a Republican-led ballot initiative by 14 points. I mean, that's essentially a 22-point swing, Mm -hmm. right? But we did. So why did we? Well, I think a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, the way they approached this was a total lack of strategy, right? If you recall from the legislative session, it was, are they going to pass it or are they not going to pass it? Are they going to pass it or are they not going to pass it? Week after week after week. And what that showed and foreshadowed, right, was a split Republican party on this issue of whether to do it now or not do it now. And and you saw that when we had lots of Republicans who came out against, you know, state issue one. So we weren't unified. And as always, the left was totally unified and then some. Right. Yes. So that was one problem. I think I think another problem is this, this shows a continued lack of strategy in the establishment leadership of the Republican Party. What I mean by that is when you saw that the Dobbs decision was up for up to bat before the decision ever came, right, and you had a sense given the makeup of the court that they were going to overturn Roe, it seems to me if you were a strategic thinker in Ohio, you should have been thinking about the Constitution and what the left might do and react. And this isn't new, right? They did it with gambling, right? They, we know they're trying to push it on other issues. They should have put this on the ballot well before the Dobbs decision ever came up so that it didn't come down to an issue on abortion, therefore driving suburban women kind of right into the left column uh, on an issue. So I, I think there's just continued lack of strategy. One, where in God's name was Governor Mike DeWine? Yeah. I don't know if you, Bruce, saw him. Nope. I didn't see him anywhere, didn't hear from him. And again, this is that I wrote this, I wrote about this before, right? Men without voices. We have leadership that has, that doesn't know what the word leadership even actually means. And, you know, Frank LaRose, he was out there. I saw him up in Erie County. He did a good job, but I think, you know, early on he tied it to abortion and that got tied around his neck, but he, he did what he could. And then, you know, I think I heard, you know, John Houston was out there a couple of times, but John spent more time talking about the quote record low unemployment rate in Ohio, because he just wants to try to get, you know, his, his run for governor up and running. And the reality is, as you know, right, we have the lowest unemployment rate uh, in Ohio history, but it's the 35th best in America. So that's like, you know, you're running your personal best in a race, but you still come in last. You're like, whoop-de-doo, right? Yeah. So, so, that, so, 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 so we had no leadership really from the top on this issue. Does, and then we didn't learn the lessons of, of Senate Bill 5, Bruce. Like, what, what did Senate Bill 5 taught us, right? Don't overreach. And you better have $20 million in the bank because the left will have lots of money because they'll nationalize it. And we had no money. We were laid out of the gate. 
We let them define the issue before we even started running ads. And by then, it was too late. Define, uh, what was Senate Bill 5? Refresh my memory. Yes, yeah, so Senate Bill 5 was the collective, public sector collective bargaining reform that was 2011, where they, they rammed it through at the end. They included police or fire, i.e. They, over, they overreached. And as a result, right, we let them run ads showing firefighters running out of burning buildings and police, you know, with, you know, shooting and saying, oh, by the way, this is the police before the left decided that the police were evil and needed to be defunded. Yeah. Right. But 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 that, that they ran ads saying, oh, see, this is going to leave police and fire you know, who, their lives at risk and, and it's going to keep them unprotected, which was a lie. But it was a very effective lie. And it was a and there were great commercials. So on this one, I think the overreach here was the timing of it, number one. And two, why did we require signatures in all 88 counties? The U.S. Constitution doesn't require 50 states to pass an amendment. It only requires two-thirds. So it seems to me there should have been a more uh, uh, tempered approach to this that would have made it less kind of less seeming like we were trying to essentially create a barrier where you couldn't get anything done. And, and look, Bruce, you know, as you know, I, I, I agonized over this decision, uh, you know, until about three weeks ago where I then finally said, yeah, let's, let's, go, let's support this. And the reason I did is because the things I want to do as governor – I'm going to have to go to the bat on some of those things because we know the legislature will probably balk at them, especially the political reforms. So the silver lining here is, it's, you know, yes, the left's going to try to put stuff through, through under the Constitution that we don't want. But on the right, we're going to get to do that, too. And now we have a lower threshold to do it. So that, that there is a silver lining here for, for, for those of us who want to try to reform and fix Ohio. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I hopefully we can get, if we can't get the SAFE Act through uh, the Ohio General Assembly, I mean, maybe we can get it as a constitutional amendment. You're right. Two can play at that game, and it's not a time to be discouraged. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, OhioMatt.com, his site about his run for the Ohio governorship. Does this mean, this vote mean, that uh, the abortion amendment is uh, going to pass, that the margin 57-43 and the fact that no other restriction on abortion that's been subjected to a vote since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, none of them have passed. And some of the states, Kansas, Ohio, are pro-life states, theoretically, but none of them have passed. Does this mean that we are doomed to a constitutional right to protect abortion in Ohio in the fall? And here's my answer. Does Ohio Right to Life have $20 million in the bank ready to go? Because if they don't, we're going to be back in the same position we are in, right? We're, they're going to bring in millions and millions of dollars from across the country. And, you know, one of the things I wrote about this week on You my mean they, column, they right? by the opponents, right? You don't mean— The yeah. left, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 you know, the abortion industry, right? Yep. The, 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 the folks that want to kind of essentially push, push the envelope. And, That'll be and, a bottomless and, and, so pit what? of money. That'll be an absolute bottomless, bottomless pit right. of money. Money and here's my thing, right? If if if, if we, we can find thirty six million dollars to pay Donald Trump's legal fees, boy, I hope we can find thirty six million dollars to protect life in Ohio. And if we can't, then again, we're, we're back on our heels trying to defend this. And what and what's going to be the messaging? And I and I wrote on my Substack column this week about this and what the what I think the messaging should be, which is really to frame this as, look, if this abortion measure passes, it won't. It will. It, it not only will put Ohio on the fringe in America in terms of abortions deep into pregnancy, right? It will put America on the fringe for Western democracy. Most of Europe is 15 weeks or less. Mm -hmm. This abortion thing will essentially, we won't create the best and brightest minds in Ohio. We will, we will produce Kermit Gosnells who are aborting babies as deep into pregnancy as they can, if they can possibly get away with. And, and is that the kind of Ohio we want here? And so we've got to make this, I think, a, a, a bigger picture issue, which is 
what kind of Ohio do you want? Do you want Ohio to be the fringe where we have abortion clinics on every corner like they have pot dispensaries out in Denver now since the left passed you know, marijuana there? Because that's what we're talking about. Our, our, this measure is so extreme that it would essentially make Ohio not just America but the, but the West's whole locus of power to go have abortions. And that's what we will become an abortion industry state if that's what we do. And, and so what is going to be the messaging on this? And if it's only about parental control, I have to tell you, that's not going to fly with suburban women. We have to make this more vivid about where this fits into the bigger picture of Western democracies and what kind of state we want to be. Yeah, we have to show how extreme the other side's position is because they paint the right as extreme on every issue. Matt Mayer, Opportunity Ohio, our guest, OhioMatt.com, his website to define his position on the issues as it pertains to his run for governor. And you can read his Substack by searching the Patriot Mind. Okay, I'm not so old that I forgot a New York Times story in a national hullabaloo in July of 2017 about Donald Trump Jr. meeting with a Russian lawyer who supposedly had inside information about Hillary Clinton. I don't recall, because it didn't happen, that Donald Trump Jr. got millions of dollars from that Russian lawyer later, or that Donald Trump himself attended that meeting. But we have Joe Biden going to dinner with Russian oligarchs for Hunter Biden's business and Hunter Biden getting millions and millions and millions of dollars. And yet we have virtually no reporting on it. Will the media ever get interested in the Biden corruption scandal? Uh, No. And and here's why. Right. And remember, it wasn't Hunter Biden got three point five million dollars down the road. He got three point five million dollars days after that dinner that Joe Biden had with the wife of, of the mayor of Moscow, right? It was days later, like as in quid, pro, <laughs> quo, right? The linkage is there. But no, the media is not going to cover this because why? Because the media is biased. They want Democrats to win elections. They don't want Republicans in charge. They definitely don't want Donald Trump anywhere near the White House. And they know if they intellectually are honest and cover the Biden family corruption as it should be covered, as you see in the New York Post, a bit in the Wall Street Journal, right, a bit by people like Miranda Devine, who are doing a phenomenal job on this, right? If they cover it, honestly, Peter Ducey at Fox, right? If they cover it, they know Joe, Joe Biden's going down and Donald Trump is winning the White House. So there's no way, just like they didn't cover it in 2020, the laptop, it just just like in 2016, when them, some of them knew darn well, darn well that there was not Russia uh, collusion, that there wasn't Alpha Bank collusion, and all this other stuff, they're never going to be even and fair, which is why I call them ginos, journalists in name only. Yeah. I can't imagine reconciling in myself the knowing failure to do what's right. Journalism is a job that, like professional golf and a lot of other jobs, law, being a doctor, you're supposed to be held to the highest standard by your own integrity. We certainly don't see that, and it's frustrating for me who entered a profession now that I'm ashamed of. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, OhioMatt.com. I wish we had more time. We'll have more time next week. Thanks for joining us today. We'll look forward to you joining us then. Always have a good weekend, Bruce. My thanks to Matt Mayer, Opportunity Ohio, and OhioMatt.com. Great to have him on the show. I thought his analysis of the defeat of Issue 1 was spot on. Poor messaging. As I said yesterday, I have a very good friend who asked me at church on Sunday, 
should I vote yes on this or should I vote no on this? And the uh, confusion over that is borne out in an evaluation of how certain counties did regarding issue one compared to how they voted in the last presidential election. Support for issue one in all but one county in the state lagged behind support for Donald Trump in the 2020 election and behind J.D. Vance in the 2022 midterm election. That is from an assessment done by Haley B. Miller and Dan Horn of the Cincinnati Enquirer, two people who I would not trust because they work for the USA Today network of reporters. But in this instance, their evaluation is most likely true because, A, numbers don't lie, and, B, demonstrating this point in print is meant to depress those of us who think that we can defeat an abortion amendment on the ballot in November. When you portray it this way, that, you know, the support for Trump and the support for Vance, but the support for issue one lags behind both, well, that is meant to convey that the support for keeping Ohio, a state that honors the heartbeat bill passed into law by our Ohio General Assembly and signed by the governor. It's meant to convey that, yeah, that's old antiquated thinking and that people of Ohio are pro-abortion and they want it unrestricted in the state. I don't believe that is the character of the state. And I believe that this margin on issue one was enlarged by the fact that some people who are not abortion proponents nevertheless voted against issue one because they felt like it was a constitutional um, betrayal to raise a standard for amending the Constitution to 60%, the Ohio Republican Party, the Ohio Right to Life movement, and not just that particular one organization, Ohio Right to Life, but every organization in Ohio that is pro-life did not do a good job of clearly defining this issue. And the way the issue was hurried onto the ballot, Matt Mayer spoke about this, the way it was hurried onto the ballot, the way they didn't have enough money in their coffers, ready to go, ready to articulate a message, it was like, hey, let's put this on the ballot. And I'm guilty of this, too, sometimes in my position, because I read all these headlines. If you're watching the show on live stream, I apologize today. It's not on Twitter. It will be tomorrow. Uh, when you surround yourself with all these stories from all these sites and all the analysis and perspective that I have on these issues, I make an assumption that everyone out there knows what I know. It was always helpful for me back when my parents were living, when I would go to their house and things would come up in our society or I would see them watching like the CBS evening news. I'd be like, what are you doing watching this? Like, like you should be watching Fox or watch a conservative it was a habit. It was a habit. Uh, we're watching Jeopardy, and Jeopardy's on at 4 o'clock. And so then we watch, you know, The Price is Right, and then we watch Wheel of Fortune, and then, well, then the Channel 10 News is on, and then the CBS Evening News is on. And they just aren't going to change the channel. Radio shows, television shows, so many things that we do in our society become a habit. The, the news sources we read. Well, if you're reading the Columbus Dispatch, and you've been a subscriber to the Columbus Dispatch, for 35 years, for 25 years, for 15 years even? The dispatch you're reading now 
could not be more diametrically opposite the political slant of the dispatch 15 years ago. Could not be more opposite. John Wolf would not just roll over in his grave, he would come out of his grave if he knew what was being published under the masthead of the paper that his family owned for so many years. But now the Wolf family doesn't own it. And yet, on a daily basis, viewpoints totally contrary to what used to be published in that outlet are published. And a lot of people in this city might be reading it going, well, you know, the dispatch says that I should vote for this, or the dispatch says this is bad. So, you know, I used to be able to trust that. They were back when I started subscribing, back when I got married, back when our kids were little. No, it's really hard to get people to recognize as I said at the outset of hour number one, that you're being manipulated by the way that news is portrayed. You don't have to look any further than this Hunter Biden story. It is so (laughs) amazingly depressing to me as someone who went to college to get a journalism degree that this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden influence peddling scandal is being portrayed in most media outlets as a shrug of the shoulders, a nothing to see here. I just heard a commentator on television say, yeah, well, Hunter Biden got millions, but I don't have anything to do with Joe Biden. I mean, how stupid, how willfully blind do you have to be? When you put a puzzle together, what do you do? You take a piece and you look for the piece into which it fits, And you put those two pieces together, and then you look for another piece that fits with those two pieces. And before long, after you do that 100 times, 300 times, 500 times, what do you have? Well, you have the whole picture, the complete picture of what's on the cover of the puzzle box, right? In this instance, the Democrats refuse to touch any two pieces of the puzzle to even check and see if they fit together. Hunter Biden got Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, well, Joe Biden, nothing about Joe Biden in there. Hunter Biden got wired the exact amount of money to get the sports car that he wanted after meeting with Burisma and talking about their desire to get the prosecutor in Ukraine fired. Yeah, but there's nothing about Joe Biden. But if they take that piece and they put it together with the piece of Joe Biden like a year later, bragging about getting the prosecutor fired, or if they take the piece where Joe Biden said at a presidential debate, No one in my family's ever gotten a cent from China. And they'd take it and put it with the piece where Hunter Biden in court like two weeks ago said, yeah, I started a business with a member of the Chinese Communist Party and I got $665,000 for that. Or they'd take the piece where Hunter Biden got on Air Force Two and flew with Joe Biden to China. But they refuse to take any of the pieces and put the pieces together. They don't want to talk about the Devin Archer testimony piece. They don't want to talk about the 20 shell companies piece. They don't want to talk about the text message from Hunter Biden to his daughter saying, well, at least I don't do to you what dad does to me. I've paid his bills for 20 years. And the other piece they won't touch, the big piece, the piece that puts it all together, is who's the big guy? If Hunter Biden's taking 10% for the big guy, who's the big guy? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.